Well, before I start my message, you know, we usually during the offering time have a story and kind of sharing some different things about like what's going on with our, our uh, item of the month. And this month we do have an item of the month. Would you bring that, put that slide up? Just, uh, I think it's, there you go. Um, we are working, no, I don't think that's it. That's the last one. There it is. There was the item of last month. This is the item of this month. And um, well, we are supporting this month uh, Word on the Street, who is a, uh, it's a ministry locally that is helping the homeless by providing tents and sleeping bags and socks and batteries for their flashlights and all that, especially during the month of February and March where it's just cold sometimes, although I'm from Wisconsin, I haven't found that time yet. Um, but no, it is cold. It is cold. We want to help them. And so there's different things that you can donate and be a part of. If you don't know what to donate, uh, gift cards from Academy Sports are awesome. And so we're going to be doing that. And, uh, and But today we had a special story for you that I wanted to, to share. John, I wanted to invite you up here. John and Rachel Dorio and their family are visiting from Western Chicago, uh, where they have been living for... Oh, let me get you a microphone. Sorry. You got one? Oh, somebody was smart. They put it up here for you. Um, it is. It looks like it is. So how long were you, uh, have you been in Western Chicago? About two years now. Two years. And then you were in Indonesia before that. About 12 and a half years. Yeah. So, but what I love, and you know, I'm just, I'm fairly new here, and I was getting to know John and Rachel this morning, and John this past week, but uh, they were part of Avalon Church in the very early days when we were meeting in an elementary school. And then uh, they joined up with Pioneers Ministries, and they started ministering to, to um, the unreached Muslim um, people in Indonesia. And so well, I invited John just to share a little bit with you about what's going on, because this is something that we have been a part of as uh, supporting them financially and in prayer since the beginning. So why don't you share with us? Thanks so much, Pastor Don. Thank you all. It's wonderful to be back. <clears throat> kind of home. It's a part of us, part of our hearts, anyway, to be here. Um, it was 2000 to 2002, 2000 or 2003, <clears throat> when we were part of Avalon in those early days, and um, been back and forth, back and forth, and here we are in Chicago, it was 27 below zero, I was actually telling people, that's actually 59 degrees below freezing, that's really, really cold. <laughs> so, we decided to come down for a couple days, and uh, bottle it up and take it back, I don't know if it works that way, but uh, thank you so much for your prayers and your support and always friends that we've seen that, that are so generous and open your homes and your hearts and stuff. It's exciting to be in this place and to hear you worship and seeing your fervor and your passion for the Lord. I did want to encourage you that God is working. Amen. God is working here. He's working in your and my hearts. He's working in immigrant newcomer hearts in the United States. One of our huge questions is, why is God bringing people here to our shores? And if you look at Acts 17, there's a, there's a verse that says, He's the one that orchestrates the times and the seasons and the, people, and the movements of the peoples so that they might perhaps reach out for Him and find Him. And I think maybe that's why we're put here, why we're put in Chicago. Um, so I did want to share a couple things. I guess I'm just going to ask you guys to click forward. Um, can you see that little picture? These guys are digging up something. They've got a camel in the desert. And it says, if this is what I think it is, we've got a lot of work ahead of us. <laughs> and uh, that's kind of how it is in kind of any ministry, maybe. But in, uh, in working with unreached peoples or resistant peoples, you get this feeling a lot. We're digging, we're digging, we're digging, and we're really not getting anywhere. But we believe God is doing great things. We know he is. 
and together we could see something great happen in our lifetime. And so I wanted to give you a few concerning react. Uh, let's go on. Is this just clicking like that? Okay. Let's go back to that. Here's some concerning realities, though, real quick. The global Islamic population is about 1.6 billion people. That's about 21% of the whole entire world population. <coughs> the world's fastest growing religion is not Christianity. It is Islam. About 3.6 million of the Muslims live in the United States. Uh, of course, most of the growth in Muslim homes and Islamic uh, homes is because of birth rates, not because of conversions. Um, of course, in the United States, Islamophobia is on the rise, but at the same time, there is a huge welcoming of, of anybody but Christians. So it's an interesting time to be here in the U.S. At least 60% of Muslims do not know a Christian, have never been in a Christian home, have never seen really life on life, what it might be to be a follower of Jesus. It's kind of sad to me, and I hope we can start changing that. Um, in Chicago, there are no Muslim background believer churches. There are individuals from Muslim backgrounds, but they are not gathering together in their own affinity groups calling themselves church. And really what our, one of our passions is, is to see churches planted among particular people groups that will reproduce and generate more leaders and more churches in those groups. Um, there was a guy named Philip Jenkins who said that Islam has remained largely impervious to the Christian gospel. And that has certainly seen the case. But, here's some new things that are happening. Well, new and old. In the, in the first century, there were maybe a thousand people coming to Christ from Islam. In 19th century, there were maybe two movements, meaning like multiple generations of people to Christ. Then in the 20th century, there, we knew of 11 movements of Muslims from Muslim people groups coming to faith in Jesus Christ. And now in the 21st century, there are 69 movements of Muslims coming to Christ, and a guy named David Garrison, who wrote Wind in the House of Islam, he has said that more Muslims are coming to Christ in this century than ever before in history. That is good news. That means it's not impossible. That means that we just need to be there, be salt and light in their, in their neighborhoods, where they are. Um, I've heard a statistic that there are 300 plus movements now among Muslim peoples. So the question is, how do we reach them? And I wanted to show you, some of you may be, have been interested in flying. I've been interested in flying a lot of my life. I was just talking with someone about the Pacific Theater of World War II and, and before that in Vietnam. But um, we used to be interested in airplanes. And this is a supermarine Spitfire developed by the British. And one of the challenges in those days was see if we could get this plane to go faster than it ever has before. And so in order to get this plane to go faster, they would put bigger and better engines in it, but they would also, at a steep dive, take this plane to its max. They lost a number of test pilots doing this, but they reached 680 miles an hour. But it wasn't until they changed the shape of the airplane that they were able to break the sound barrier. Can you see that? That's called the Bell X-1, piloted by Chuck Yeager in 19... Uh, 1947, they broke the sound barrier. And in some ways, it's kind of like this. I asked the question, what's it going to take? Something has to change the standard way we do things because they might not enter our doors of Avalon Church. And maybe our ministry's model needs to look a little bit different. So, all that being said, what can we do to...
how, what's it going to take to reach these people? How do we reach them? Uh, Albert Einstein, of course, said, uh, maybe you've heard that quote, the insanity is doing the same things over and over and over again expecting the same results. So let's not do things the same way, but here are some things that we can do to engage the lostness of Muslims is pray abundantly. Gain access to the community. Find people of peace who God's already working in. Start a discovery group, inviting them to look at scripture together and, and digging into what it teaches them about God and how they live it and obey it. Uh, to baptize and, and start a church with them that develops more leaders and develops uh, more churches and more people to go out there again. This is kind of tiny. I can't see it with this white line in me here. Um, but how can you be a, a, a disciple maker here even in Orlando? And I just wanted to encourage you that one thing, we're encouraging churches. And when we get out there with the people in our neighborhoods from Pakistan or Iraq or whatever, is to meet their needs personally, but also to encourage them to uh, read, to see our lifestyle, and to get into God's Word. So be real. Be a disciple. Believe God loves them, and he's working in them. Respect their culture and their way of doing things, and go into their homes. Um, that's okay. Uh, live out loud. I do these things because I follow Christ. And, and avoiding the temptation to be the Bible answer man, inviting them to learn from God what he is teaching them. Get them into the word of God. It's powerful and active. So please pray for us in Chicago. There are 500,000 Muslims in Chicago and many more. And we are trying to coordinate a lot of ministries, including ours, to work together as a well-oiled machine to really see 20 families getting into God's Word this year. 20 Muslim families, so would you pray for that? Pray that we walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, or Colossians 1, 10. And then we have huddle groups that are groups of believers who come together for prayer, for encouragement, for training, and then doing things together, reaching out to the Muslim Hospitality, we've invited some Muslim neighbors to come over to our home to have a meal. We're kind of hoping that that still happens and we can reach out to others that way. And we're looking for those who God is already working in, the people of peace. So these are some of the techniques. Please see us afterwards. We'll be back at the Connect Desk. We've got a couple of books we can share with you to know about disciple making. So my time's gone, so I'll turn it back. What I love about John when I talked to him this week is that uh, he has a deep love for people. And, um, and, and um, now how, how do you be a good witness to Jesus? How do you show people his love? You love them. You welcome them into your life. You welcome them into your home. And you get to know them and be, be a friend. Man, that's good stuff. Now... I know you, some of you are looking at your clock going, okay, don't we have communion today? Yes. What's he going to do? Go short um, and go fast. And so uh, there's so many different things. We have so much going on right now in our church. And uh, I'm like, how, how, do we, whew, how do we go through it all? Um, this isn't going forward. Maybe it's because it's off. Yeah, okay. So um, there it is. We talked last week about the scent. And um, I just wanted to let you know, I wanted to invite you, if, if you're interested in going, we thought it would be a fun, this is an outreach event, multi-denominational, um, churches, organizations from all over the country 
all difference across the spectrum of theological beliefs all coming together for one purpose, in unity, to mobilize, to activate God's people for the Great Commission, to say we want to help people find life in Jesus. How do we do that? How do we do that in our homes, in our neighborhoods, on campuses, in our country, and internationally? How do we help people find life in Jesus? Let's do it together. That's what this event is about. Many of you have already signed up. You've told me. What I thought, though, is if you could um, send, me an in, uh, well, send me an email or on your connection card saying, go into the send. That way we can coordinate and everybody, we can kind of like meet in one location so that we can all sit together. Because it's at the, the stadium downtown. Um, I never can remember the name of that. Camping well, thank you. You'd think I'd know that, but you know, I've been camping before when I was six. And, um, <laughs> twice. Um, so anyway, that's the SEND, and we really would like to coordinate. But what this did is, the SEND has all these missionaries, and they, the, the, the organization, I mean, they brought in people from all different churches and different groups to uh, kind of head this up. And what they did is they said, let's put together like 300 or so missionaries in Orlando to help, to help do some things to help people find Jesus. And so... We, they have contacted us and we have agreed that we're going to be a part of one of these. We're calling it Go and Grill. Isn't that cute? That's cute. Uh, go and Grow, Go and Grill. And so what we're going to be doing is we're going to provide food and we're going to cook uh, hot dogs and hamburgers and we're going to serve them as a part of a larger event where other churches are involved and stuff. And so just wanted to ask, would you on your calendar put Friday, March 8th on the calendar and then, um, and I don't know why, I actually made a different slide. I must have forgot to put it on here. But um, on March 3rd, after the service, we're going to just have a really quick 30-minute training. And uh, just get training. Kind of like, here's what's going to be happening. So I really wanted you to put that on your, calcul your calculator. <laughs> that kind of week. All right. So we today are going to have communion. But before we do that, I wanted to intro book that we're going to be going through uh, together, because um, every February, I really like to dive in a little deeper into a book or a, a larger passage of scripture. And Pastor Jim and I spent several weeks wrestling over some different passages, and I'd suggest something, and he'd respond, and he'd suggest something, and I'd respond, and finally, we just kept coming back to this letter by Paul to the churches in Galatia. It was like, it just, it kept, it kept drawing both of us. Churches over the years, and you've, you've watched TV, you know this is true. Churches over the years have done some crazy things. They've gone some crazy directions. But there's a couple of, of scriptures. There's a couple of books of the Bible or passages of scripture that are, that are kind of like a plumb line. For the church, kind of like they set the standard that you know, no matter how far you can go to church, you always have these things pulling you back to center. Galatians is one of those passages, one of those letters. It's one of those things that draws us back to remember what is most important. That when we when we start our preferences or our traditions start getting too big, Galatians is one of those books that draws us back to what is most important. Now we're going to do something cool throughout this entire series because. Um, we have decided to make available some additional resources through the YouVersion app during this series. And so uh, you're going to be able to follow along and interact with the text. How many of you have the YouVersion app on your smart device? All right, excellent. Feel free to pull it out right now. Um, turn it on. If you don't have it, just get it. It's free on Apple devices and on, on all of the other devices out there. And so... Um, 
what, what happens is you're going to have access to the scriptures we use, the maps. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, what? Maps? Uh, the maps, the slides. You're going to have access to taking notes to certain parts. And uh, our, the announcements from our church will be on there, uh, our website. I mean, it's, it's like really amazing. So how do you use it? I wanted to just run real quick. How do you use it? All right, when you open up the YouVersion app, it's a Bible that has like 400 million different translations of the scriptures in every language you could ever imagine. And so you open it up, it takes you to where you were last, and at the bottom right it says more. All you have to do is click more, and it will take you to a screen that looks like this. And all you have to do is hit events. And when you do that, it takes you to a screen that looks like this which is just a map of all of the events going on. Um, earlier today, when I took this picture, there were like five different events going on in churches. All you do is you pick the church that you want to look at, which if you're here, it would make sense that you pick Avalon Church Orlando. If you're zoomed out, don't pick Avalon Church in Georgia. They're not doing what we're doing, okay? <laughs> Avalon Church Orlando. And, and you might wonder, so why are there two of them? Well, because the first one is this service going on right now. But for those of you who want to take what we do and here to the next step, the second one is life group questions or discussion questions to really engage with the scriptures that we talk about. And so you have both of those uh, that will always be open. And uh, I'm really excited about this. I'm so, I'm so glad that we can do this because um, it not only will it help you, and, but it will also, the discussion questions are so good. And, and they're great by yourself. They're great for devotion time. But even better is to make them a part of a, of a group discussion. That's why we have life groups. So if you're not in a life group, please listen because we want to have you find one. Fair enough? You're like, okay, done. have seven minutes. What you got? I know. I know. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to just jump right in uh, to Galatians. And just to kind of let you know a little bit about this book, Paul, you, you're familiar probably with him. He's wrote, he wrote about half the New Testament. And he began as a Pharisee. Unlike all of the other apostles, he also was a Roman citizen by birth, which was a huge deal. And this, this was one of the biggest reasons why um, I think that God chose Paul, because he had something that was going to be very impactful throughout Rome, and that was a Roman citizenship. But before he became a Christian, Paul was leading the persecution against the Christians. I mean, we're talking real early. He was leading, I mean, he, it was like two years after the cross and the resurrection, Paul's going around even killing some Christians. When he has this encounter with the resurrected Christ, that changes everything. Everything was changed at that moment when he saw the resurrected Jesus. And he was the one selected to go and take Christianity or this message of Christ outside of the Jewish world into the Gentile world, into the Roman world. And so, because I like maps, I always put them, you know, the book of Galatia was from um, the first missionary journey, which you can read about in Acts 13 and 14, where he talks about all the different churches in Galatia that he went to. And so this, is, this was a time um, he teams up with a guy named Barnabas, another Jewish man, and together they go to these strategic locations, starting churches. And what did they do? They witnessed what they had seen. They weren't telling a story that somebody else had seen. That they were going to these places saying, you won't believe it. We saw, and Barnabas could say, I saw Jesus die on that cross. And I don't know how it would have been possible, but 
Three days later, I saw the risen Jesus and he walked with us and he ate with us. And for 40 days, he was with us. And Paul was like, and you won't believe it, two years later, the resurrected Jesus showed himself to me and my life was changed. And so they were witnessing about this historical event that they had actually participated in. And so they go to all of these places sharing the story, sharing the story. They'd stay weeks, months, sometimes even years in these places mentoring people, training leaders, helping this church grow. This, and, and when I say church, please know I don't mean church. I mean this small group of people here. And then there would be a small group of people over here. And they would just disciple them and mentor them and help them grow in the faith. And then they'd leave and they'd go do it somewhere else. And then Paul would write letters back to those churches telling them, hey, this is what I'm hearing. Here's some new things that maybe you can work on. Sometimes he would reprimand them, which we're going to see a little bit in this letter. So Galatians is, like, is likely the first letter Paul ever wrote. This, the Galatians is, is the oldest New Testament document that we have. This was written decades, well, yeah, decades before the Gospels. This was written so early that when we read Galatians, we really get a glimpse of the earliest teachings of Christianity, which I love. And so Paul, when he, when he talks, look at verse 1. Look at verse 1. He says, Paul, an apostle. The sent one. Sent not from man or not, nor by a man. People didn't send me. Jesus, I encountered him and he sent me. I was sent uh, by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And all the brothers and sisters with me were writing to the churches in Galatia. From the very, I mean, these words, from the very beginning of Christianity, it was about one thing. Telling the world that Jesus Christ was no longer dead. He had risen from the grave. I mean, from the very beginning, this was everything. Everything. We can fight about a million things. We can fight about the Old Testament scriptures. We can fight about our traditions. We can fight about the Jewish faith. All of the things that they did fight about. But one thing is sure. Jesus has risen from the dead and that's why we do everything. He gives us the power. And then, if you look at... In, as Paul continues, he gives the basics of the gospel. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of God, of our God and Father. I mean, it's been his plan all along. It's to him the power and glory forever. The core message of the church was that Jesus, he died and rose again, and he is now building a new family from the whole world. He is building in us together. Not, not a family of Jews and not a family of Gentiles, but one family in Christ. What I love, and you're going to see, I mean, it, there's so much that Paul does in this letter. We're going to get to it over the next weeks. But what I love is he talks about Abraham a lot, saying from the very beginning, from Genesis 12 till now, this has been part of God's plan. That if you are in this room right now, Back in the very beginnings, God was pursuing you. You were in, on his mind at the creation of the universe, knowing that there was going to be this long journey of faith that was going to climax in Jesus in his death and resurrection. And he was going to, God was going to draw the whole world to him. From the very beginning, that was the plan. That's what you and I get to be a part of. But 
for the Galatians, and just like us, what happens so easily is that we lose focus. We start focusing on things that divide us rather than unite us. We start fighting about traditions and preferences and, 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 and scriptural beliefs and, and all of this. And Paul continues, I'm astonished that you who are, you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ. And you're turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. You know, it happens all the time. Churches are started. Pastors are hired. Everybody has great dreams about what God is going to do with our church. What is God going to do in this place? But then unintentionally, we lose focus so quickly. We, we do. We revert to past teachings. We revert to what's comfortable. We, we, you know, we, some people are leaders naturally, and so we say, oh, they must be right because they're so confident. And we begin to lose focus, and we begin to miss the point on why we exist. And that's what happened in, in Jerusalem. And I know, uh, forgive me, I know that this is kind of more of a history lesson, and I don't mean to be, but it is an intro. So um, I wanted to kind of give you a real breakdown real quick of what, why the Jerusalem church, they were, it was, why they were, it was so easy for them to, uh, to focus on the past and then how they affected the Galatians. So forgive me, but I'm going to do it anyway. In, in AD 30, that's about when Jesus died and rose again. Historical, I could be off by a year. No big deal. So many people saw Jesus alive that the movement grew in Jerusalem like wildfire. They stayed there for like two years and nothing was happening. I mean, Jesus said the faith was going to go to Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth, but it didn't. It stayed in Jerusalem for about a year or two. And persecution then broke out and people started fleeing and people started taking their message of their faith outside. But the hub of Christianity, the hub of the church always remained in Jerusalem at that time. But like always happens, and it's so frustrating, two denominations basically developed in Jerusalem. So you can see between 32 and 34, when Paul follows Jesus in 48, when he's in Galatia, and then he writes the letters. In that 16, 14 to 16 years, two denominations rise up in Jerusalem. And they're very important to this letter. And I think it's very important to us because we'll see what happens. <clears throat> One of the denominations was slow to start. It was the smallest group of people at first. They were the ones who were convinced that Jesus came for all people, Gentiles and Jews. And, and they were less concerned with the Jewish law. This was the group Paul was a part of. And again, it started small. But then there was the group that, that believed that Jesus was the Jewish Messiah. This is a Jewish faith. They believed that if you wanted to follow the Jewish Messiah, Jesus, you had to become Jewish. And for the men, that meant circumcision. Hello, salvation by surgery. I don't think so. And the, the second thing is everybody had to eat kosher. Now, Paul would call the extremists in this group later on, he'd call them Judaizers. But this was, this was a very, very influential group. And it makes sense, because if you think about it, when Jesus died and rose again, who saw him? Everybody. I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people saw the resurrected Jesus. That's how the movement grew so fast. In those hundreds and hundreds of people, some of them were Pharisees. Some of them were rabbis. And many of those Pharisees and rabbis and teachers of the law, they became believers too. But Judaism, Jew, the Jewish faith is all they ever knew. 
separation from Gentiles, that went all the way back to Moses. That's who they were. Even Peter struggled, which we're going to see in this book. It was a struggle for all. But as Christianity began to spread farther and farther away from Jerusalem, more and more Gentiles got involved, and the Jewish faith had less and less influence. All of a sudden, Gentiles were following Jesus and their lives were transforming. They were being filled with the Holy Spirit and everything was changing. And, and, and the Jewish people in the areas were seeing this and praising God and saying, they're one of us. God has come for all people. But back in Jerusalem, most of the Christians were Jewish and they weren't seeing the Gentiles coming to faith and being filled with the Holy Spirit. They just thought it was hearsay. So what they started doing was they started raising up missionaries from Jerusalem. And as Paul would go start churches, they would send their missionaries to go to the churches Paul would start to correct his teaching. And this made Paul mad, infuriated. So infuriated that he wrote a letter to the the Galatians. And that's the letter that we're reading. And you can just, you can feel the anger and the disappointment. Look at at verse 7. Evidently, some people, some people are throwing you into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. I mean, these aren't secondary issues. This is the gospel. This is the foundation of what we believe and who we are. That we are united as a family together because of this. And they are perverting it. And then he says in verse 8, Even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. We don't... NIV, man, it's nice. It's a nice way of saying this. Because in the Greek, that word is anathema. Anathema. May they be eternally damned. Paul is so upset. He's like, they are hindering what Christ is doing. They are keeping people from finding life in Jesus. He's so upset that he says, you know, these people, they can just go to... That's what he says. He's mad. Anathema. See, at Avalon Church, we have, we affirm that we're going to be unified in the essentials and value diversity in the non-essentials. And many of you have asked me, so what are the essentials? Here are the essentials. Jesus plus anything is nothing. It's a false gospel. Anytime you add Something to Jesus for us to be to be saved, to be right with God. Anytime you add something to Jesus that, that says you are welcome in this place, you are a part of this community if you follow Jesus and whatever. False gospel. But over here, if Jesus plus nothing, all by himself, the death and the resurrection of Jesus, that he is who he said he is, the Son of God. The incarnate God become man who died and rose again. If it's Jesus plus nothing, that is everything. That's the essential. And as we unpack Galatians, and as we, we look at this, and we hear how Paul said, oh, he's not done. Anathema's good, but it gets so much better. When we start looking at what he says about this, all of a sudden, we start saying, oh my goodness, we need to become this. <laughs> because I, I, I don't want Paul to say that. And we want to become more and more about Jesus and putting our allegiance in him 
I almost thought about calling this, this whole message, this whole series, This Beautiful Mess. Because when we are so focused on Jesus plus nothing, it gets really messy. And that means some of you who have crazy beliefs feel welcome in this place. Because other people who have different crazy beliefs are looking at you going, they're crazy. And you're saying, I know, they're crazy. We're going to, that's the, it's a beautiful mess when we start going, you know, some people, we said last week, some people love, they love learning about craft beer and drinking craft beer. And other people are like, that is so wrong. And I say, welcome to Avalon Church. <laughs> some people are like, baptism has to be this way. No, it has to be this way. Or communion has to be this way. No, it has to be this way. I'm a Republican. Great. I'm a Democrat. Welcome to Avalon Church. I love it. This beautiful mess. Because we don't find salvation and we aren't made right with God and we aren't a community revolved around politics or any kind of theologies, are we? We are a, a community of people. All kinds of people. Every race, every, every background, religious background who say Jesus plus nothing is everything. It is so hard to be this way, church. We constantly want to be pulled by the, the differences. We constantly want to be pulled by the theologies or the methods or the preferences. And it is going to take intense, laser-focused effort to say no to that. And I'm skipping everything. <laughs> so, we're going to go into communion. Commun There's nothing more unifying than communion. There's nothing more, uh, nothing that brings us together as a body that says none of the other stuff matters. Jesus plus nothing is everything. Nothing does that more than communion. So I want to invite the ushers to come forward. I want to invite the, the worship team to come on up here. And while they do, I want to invite you. You know, there is a, uh, Jesus invites all of us to know him. Jesus invites all of us to come to him just as we are. For those of us who are followers of Christ, most of us have, we have gone where we, you know, preferences have become too big or, 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 or certain beliefs have become too much a part of our life that they have separated us from other believers. May that never be. I want to invite you to reaffirm your faith in Jesus plus nothing because that is everything today. But there's some of you, you've never followed Jesus before. You've never come to know him. You've never experienced what we were talking about or experiencing in worship today. Being right with God, not because of anything you could do, but because of what Jesus did for you. I want to invite you too to come and be, make it right with God. I, I wrote a prayer out that I thought would be so good for all of us. And so prayer that says, Jesus, I need you. I need the forgiveness offered by the blood you shed. I, I choose to follow you to the best of my ability. Help me do so wherever that leads. These words aren't magic, but these words are a These words kind of give, give something to, a, a way of expressing the heart. Before we take communion, can I ask you, Everybody in this room, if you're willing, if you, if you, if you want, if you can affirm this prayer, let, can we say this together out loud? 
Maybe for some of you it'll be the first time. Maybe for some of you it is just one more time we need to come to come to recognize Jesus. But let's say this together. If you're, I'm going to say it, I would love for you to join me. Jesus, I need you. I need the forgiveness offered by the blood you shed. I choose to follow you to the best of my ability. Help me do so wherever that leads. If that's your prayer, whether you're a follower of Christ before or that's the first time, welcome to the family. We are united. And it's, it's awesome. No, it's awesome. We are united in Jesus. And so as we take communion right now, we invite everybody, any follower of Jesus, you are welcome to this table. We're going to pass out the elements in just a minute. We're going to pass out the, the bread and the juice. I want to ask that you hold them. Because we're going to take them, we're going to partake, we're going to eat those together at the end. But this is one family, and you are welcome in this place as we take communion together. Would you bow and let's pray together? We'll begin receiving communion. Jesus, thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you for dying for us. As we receive communion, as we partake of the bread and the juice, may it be to your glory and your honor in unity together. In your name we 